for the first time uh, since we've started the program, we have members of city council with us. We want to welcome from my left to right, uh, Liz Allen and Kathy Schaff. Welcome, je- ladies. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Gentle ladies, I should say, right? Uh, this is a family show, so we like to get origin stories. Liz, I'll start with you. Uh, how did you come up? Are you a transplant or did you grow up here in Erie? I was actually born in Glens Falls, New York, but my parents are from Erie or we're from Erie. So we only lived there for six months. Okay. And then we moved back to Erie, but I was only six months old. And then I went to school in Milwaukee, got married. Um, my husband and I lived in Milwaukee for, um, I got to think how many years, uh, six years. And then we moved to Battle Creek, Michigan. Then we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Then we moved to St. Louis. But I always wanted to come home and be closer to my parents. Um, and we ended up living on the same street as my parents. Where did you and go to high my, school? All my siblings moved out of town. So <laughs> I, was, I went to Villa High School. Did you go to Villa? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you finally made it back. Now, were you in newspaper work through all those Most different time, towns? Yes. I um, Actually, after I graduated from college, I worked for uh, five years for the University of Wisconsin um, at the Center for Consumer Affairs. Mm. I did um, consumer writing, and I also did um, adult education. Now, you remember these were the days of, you know, Ralph Nader and oh, yeah. putting consumer protections in place. And But newspapers were my real love. I had worked at the Morning News in Erie when I was in college. And okay. when we moved to Battle Creek, I... Um, had met a consumer reporter at a uh, at a conference that we had, and he offered me a job in Grand Rapids, um, which was about sixty miles from Battle Creek. So I was able. I was very fortunate that I was able to work from home. Okay. You know, I had two little kids, so I worked. Um, I wrote my stories at home, and one day a week, I drove to Grand Rapids and typed my stories into the system because it was before personal computers. Right. Right. Well, that's cool. Thank you for that story. How about you, Kathy Schaff? I, I, I understand you're a teacher. Did you grow up here, though? Yes. Um, born and raised on the east side and been married for 36 years. Wow. I've been affiliated with St. James School since 1981. And uh, my daughters are uh, re- grown up, no longer living in Erie. And here I am. You know, it's funny. I... I, I uh I was part of a, a theater troupe in Gannon that did a performance at St. Oh, James. I remember that day. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Needless to say, we got shut down in the middle of the performance. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, you know, even uh, from 1983 or whenever yeah, it was, was it there. still remember? <laughs> I kind of want to hear this story. Oh, yeah. Off the mic, <laughs> yeah. off the mic. Okay. <laughs> sounds no. like sounds like a column idea. <laughs> it, 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 it could be, yeah. It, it's just back, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I, I want to know your origin stories for running for office because this is the first political office for each of you. Is that correct? Right. I, I right. never even ran. I mean, I never ran for student council. I never ran for anything. Yeah. Except press queen in high school that was the, the journalism students had a had a dance i didn't really run for it but i was named press queen and i always thought it was like the nuns wanted to make sure i was press queen because i was not i was not date material in high school <laughs> anyhow so I, well i can back up about why i ran but the kathy and i ran into each other Where, was it at city council yes, chambers was. and she said to me 
you wrote a column about me and I had written so many columns. I didn't mm-hmm. remember, but it was just cool that I had written. I knew her before, before we became candidates, we did not run together, but I, um, I was in a book club that had read eerie refocused. I have it on my Kindle. I forgot to bring it with me. I've um, got a copy here. So, yeah. <laughs> so I read eerie refocused. Um, that's, I, that's really enriching book club material there. Yes. I must say, I, well, Liz. I will tell you that one of the things, um, we had read a lot of, we, it was, we were mostly, we were reading nonfiction okay. and we read, um, the book, uh, just mercy, which was, um, by, uh, Brian Stevenson, who ended up speaking at Mercyhurst a few years later. That was about, he, uh, the death penalty cases he took up in Alabama. Uh, we read evicted, which um, won the Pulitzer Prize a couple of years ago. And interestingly, that's set in Milwaukee. Um, it's about housing problems and how they mm. contribute to the cycle of poverty. Yeah. It was a really interesting book. I would recommend it to anybody because it's just a really good read. But what I really liked about it was that it looked at um, it, Milwaukee. It, it, there's a south side and the north side. North side, predominantly African-American. South side, predominantly you know white working class and poor. And so this man ended up, you know, interviewing uh, two different uh, landlords. Uh, one was an African-American woman. The other one was a, um, you know, a white man from Chicago. His tenants lived in, in mobile homes. The people on the North side lived in apartment buildings mm-hmm. and it was heartbreaking, but also illuminating about how not having a home, not having shelter contributes to the cycle of poverty. So, the, so, so. The, you're saying that basically this, this book club material was really an impetus for you to, to run. Yes. Yes. And so we, you know, I would talk with these women, what could we do? And then I went to the women's March after the inauguration and um, I came back and some other people said, you know, encouraged me to run, but I really ended up thinking, you know, how can you make a difference locally so Mm -hmm. that's why i decided to run so and i it was and you were you very recently uh um retired from the newspaper at that point or you all that would have been i retired in uh when 2015 okay december 14th the paper got sold december 31st seven well seven of us left at the same time some of them left in the next week but i was out the door then so i would i would had retired so it was a it was a real I would say um, it was a struggle to decide if I wanted to take on a new identity because my identity was Liz writing. I did much more at the newspaper than write columns, Mm -hmm. but that's what people, I think sometimes people thought that's all I did. That was kind of like the icing on the cake for me. I would write my column at the end of a busy week of writing editorials and doing editorial boards Mm -hmm. and working with my boss on the budget and all this administrative stuff on, you know, the, like when we used to hire people, you know, uh, recruiting and training and development. Mm -hmm. So the, the column was was my visible face so right. so anyhow that kind of ran on <laughs> so kathy so, so kathy how about you what, what was the deciding moment to have you run it was pretty much a light bulb moment uh, my husband and i were in florida visiting our daughter and i was online at go Erie, and it said there were four council seats open and i wasn't really thinking about the two incumbent seats i'm like wow four and i'm like i think i can do this um Instead of helping uh, so much with school and parish, um, being an East Sider, like I think 
as an average Joe person, mm-hmm. um, I can make a difference. What ward are you? Do you live in Fifth? In what ward do you live um, in? I this? actually. I think I'm in the third, but my I actually wrote something about this for the Erie Reader one time yeah. um, when you were talking about my origin story. Yeah. So I just wanted to back up a little sure. bit and say that um, I lost my first husband in 1994. He died of a heart attack and I got remarried and my husband and I were thinking about um, because I think this is relevant to how we think about things in, mm-hmm. in Erie. Um so we were thinking of of where we were going to buy a house. Yeah. And um, I, I told you, I, I grew up on Lincoln Avenue. I live on Lincoln Avenue. So I lived in all these other cities yeah. in the Midwest. And then I come home and I live four blocks from where my parents live. So we were thinking about buying a house in the blessed, because you mentioned Parish Catholic. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're Catholic in Erie, parishes. Parishes were actual is, is geographical your, yes, locations. Yes, how you yes. identify yourself. Yeah. So we were looking at a house on Harvard, which is in Blessed Sacrament Parish. And my mom said to me, she said, oh, Lizzie, she said, aren't you going to be homesick? <laughs> I measured it and it was 2.6 miles from my parents' house. And I thought, well, wait a minute. My, you know, I have a sister in Philadelphia, a sister who lives at the time lived in Butler, um, a sister who lives in Silver Spring, Maryland. My brothers live in Harrisburg, but mom thought I would be homesick. Too far away and at 2.6 I actually miles. thought, you know what? I hate to say it, but she's probably right. So, so mom said, you know, you might be homesick. And then dad said, oh, Lizzie, I really think you should stay in the fourth ward. And I was like, <laughs> I never, you know, never wow. thought of politics that way. Mm-hmm. But people from my parents' generation did. So. Sure. So I think that, like, I looked at it, and I think the line is right there between the, the third and the, the third fourth, and fourth ward. ward yeah. yeah. I mean, I had the ward. Yeah, I had third, them pretty much ward memorized. was kind of like the Little Italy, you know. That's yeah. where I grew yeah. up was uh, the, in the third ward there, but now live in the sixth ward in the southeastern quadrant. So, yeah. The, the, what, what, the, the point of all that is, is that. Should we a, have what, election by what, ward? Yeah. Well, one of the conversations that we've mm-hmm. had around here is in order to get. Uh, more um, geographic, geographic mm-hmm. diversity. I, I had in those same two chairs mm-hmm. that you're sitting in, I had Viral Salmon and, and Jim Wirtz. And, you know, the, the, the real concept of having home rule in the city of saying, ensuring that at least one person from every ward would be represented and then maybe having some at large representatives. What do you guys think about that? I think uh, it has a lot of bearing to it. Um, my what I would call my home turf is what I know the most. Yeah. McCulland Avenue, Buffalo Road. I played at the Roger Young tennis courts, the Burton tennis courts, uh, the Wesleyville tennis courts, uh, that whole east side bird drive from sure. 38th Street down to that area. Um, I mean, again, that's my home turf, but having friends and uh, having gone to St. Ben's and Villa, you know, I did outreach and expand mm-hmm. some, but uh, I went from living. That's funny that Liz had mentioned that uh, I grew up on East 38th Street, the last house on 38th Street before the field and canny prep and then got married, lived in my grandmother's house on Fifth and Ash. And then since 1987, I've been up on uh, the 43rd Street area. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's an it's a an idea worth 
um, following up on too. I think that sometimes it's presented a little too simplistically as, sure. as though we could go in tomorrow and vote for that. No, it's, we can't. it's a constitutional change. Yes, it would ha- it, we would have to, to go through that. Um, I think that it, we're at the stage right now where we really want to see what's the best way to have um, municipal government function mm-hmm. in Erie. And that could well be on, that has to be on the list of things to look at. Um, I have, well, Kathy and I went to training uh, in March after we were elected. So that would have been March last year. We went to um, newly elected officials training put out by put on by the Pennsylvania Municipal League. Mm-hmm. So I've really been interested, and because I have been involved in training and development at, at the newspaper, I really think the training function is important too. I want to know, even if it's not a third class city, how how are these other um, city councils organized what kind of committee structure do they have i really wish that we had a stronger committee structure mm-hmm. um what we often will say well, well we'll start a committee for that but we don't have i mean we have standing committees on sure. paper but really the only committee that we have that meets is finance committee which meets at large and of course finances are a big deal right i brought along the whole packet about the early intervention report mm-hmm. um but how do we govern um, in an efficient and responsive manner in this day and age, instead of like the way, you know, it was the done way it's been done for a long yeah. time. We were talking to Liz Allen and Kathy Schaff. Um, they are uh, members of Erie City Council. We're waving to our Facebook uh, live uh, viewers and listeners here as we talk to members of City Council, Kathy Schaff, Liz Allen, and um you know, I, one more thing about your election. Uh, again, uh, Kathy, you made the you made mention of you know. The, well, there's four opportunities. You know that that sounds like it could be you know like a a, a path forward. But you did have uh, incumbents in that mix, and you had some pretty big names. In fact, there was a a slate of people that was um, a multi, actually multiple slates. Yeah, there were seventeen. People. <laughs> there were seventeen people in the in the election. How do you think you made your way through? Well, uh, I think my name stands for itself. Um, I think the Schaff name in Erie is a respectable okay. name. Well, tell them what you used to say. Because <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, I loved her, the, the authenticity that Kathy presents. So tell them how you used to describe yourself. Well, there's the rich Schaffs and then there's the regular Schaffs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, uh, the regular Schaff. Um, but... Actually, being a school teacher uh, since 1981 and having so many students and their families and coming back. So I, I know a lot of people. And yeah, the network helps, doesn't it? Right. But y'all had to do a lot of door to door, right? Right. Or? But I was the number one slot in oh. the primary. So anyone going in there, I didn't really know this until people brought it to my attention that. Uh, people will just go in there and go one, two, three and walk out. You know what? That's that was part of the conversation just this past primary to see if whether or not Michael Keyes, because of his number one position, might have been that third candidate after, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody knew about, um, you know, know, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, 
well, Mel Witherspoon, and you know and the <laughs> the other uh, the other famous names that were on there. Well, Ed Brzezinski, because he had Brzezinski name recognition had on, from yeah. yeah, formerly on council, Erie School Board. So, but yeah. then but then it was like a, a a sea of other names, and so let's pick number one. You know, right? And so I have yeah. seen that there are. I don't know. You know, I went went to the demonstration when the county was looking at the four or five vendors for new voting machines. Okay. I don't know if the voting, I don't know. There was a story saying that they were going to pick pretty soon, but there are actually, I don't know if there's, there is some concern about, you know, ballot position and that there is the capability with some machines of being able to like scramble them. Like so ram, not, randomize them. Yeah. Huh? Randomize them. So I don't know if that's been done elsewhere that would or take, not. I think that would take an act of, not Congress, but the state legislature well, I, I to do that. Well, I think the other thing is that you would probably be, because of worry about, you know, hacking into systems sure. and everything, it would be probably like you wouldn't want to <clears throat> fool around with that. It's, it's not, yeah, sometimes some things are better <coughs> left alone. All right, so you, you all win your primary. Of course, in, in Erie, uh, the last time we had an elected Republican was I think Gail Allen? Um, no, you mean Gail? Gail? Uh, you mean Denise Robinson? Maybe? Uh, no, she. Gail Wright. Gail Wright. Excuse me. Gail Wright. I think was I think the she last was a elected. Democrat. Was she? Yeah, I think. So you think it was Denise, Denise Robinson? Denise Robinson. Okay. Yeah. Who so actually? We're, we're talking about the eighties at this point, or not? Interestingly, early 90s. Denise was fifty when she when Julio asked her to run. She told me that a couple of interesting <clears throat> months ago at the Jefferson. Okay. So I kind of, because I asked her for some advice, you know, she was 50. I was, what, 66 or whatever. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I did not know that Tulio had asked her to run. That's really interesting. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. In, it'd be fun to find out a little bit more about that. So you enter into this, you know, into this, not gauntlet, but this new place. And uh, you are new. You have some new ideas, which we're going to talk about after the, the bottom of the hour break. But uh, talk about that experience of, um, of you know, th- like you're saying, structurally, there are some things there that um, might need some tweaking. You want to chat about that? I've got like two minutes. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, there really I, isn't a committee structure. We have committees, but have we ever had a committee meeting for anything Like, is else? there a personnel we, we, committee or... There is not a personnel is committee. There a, is One there of the committees a, uh, I thought we really needed yeah. would be an innovation committee. I mean, we have a public safety committee. Sure. Um, we have an organizational chart, and we're assigned as liaisons to right. various yes. departments. But that doesn't mean... That's a connection that, to the administrative state, right. right? It doesn't mean, though, that we have a committee structure where we get together and say... You know, there's a public works committee, so three people are going to get together and evaluate, say, the proposal on, you know, no smoking and and in mm-hmm. all the parks and, you know, no alcohol in two of the parks. And that just right. came to my head right now that that sure. would have been one way to have a kind of funnel through the legislative process. So, should, but I think an innovation committee would be really critical with with what's going on in Erie. You know, we have the innovation district, and I would think of innovation committee is not only looking at what's going on with entrepreneurs, but internally, you know, how, how do you get to the point where it's like we have to do things a new way? We welcome to the microphones Liz Allen and Kathy Schaff. Ladies, thanks so much for being on with us here. The phone number is 679-1080, and I want to kind of start uh, pivoting over to the kind of the prevailing issues that we have here in Erie. Um, 
uh, let me let me ask you this. Uh, the, so because we, we can talk about premises here. Uh, the premise that we we've had from multiple people sitting in the chairs you're sitting is that Erie is trying to reverse 60 years of decline. If we look at just population alone, we were at 140,000 population in the 1960 census. This census here in 2020 might, uh, if we're super fortunate, it could get us to 100,000. More than likely, it's going to be in the night in the mid 90s. Um, We've been we've been experiencing decade after decade of decline, um, and we're in we're in a critical moment to turn that around. Would you agree with all that? Critical moment, yes, I agree. One of the things I've found, and and I think it's it has to be the journalism training, and I've thought about writing about something about this. Is um, we're really focused right now on you know can we attract younger people? There's a mini trend out there that. I don't know that I can uh, document it other than anecdotally, but of people who are um, moving actually to the city of Erie who are in midlife. And I just mm-hmm. think that's a really interesting demographic that, that we should not ignore and that we should be able to tap into. Um, I first became aware of this uh, when you talked about me retiring from the newspaper. So yeah. when that happened, I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? So a friend recommended to me that I volunteer at LEAF, uh, at Little Leaves, which is at Frontier Park. And so it's an educational program. It, uh, the Little Leaves program was so much fun because it was little kids coming in and they would get a story and they would get movement. And I was, you know, just doing the registration. So there was a woman there who volunteered who, and I'm all, you talk about origin stories, that's me. I'm always like, you know, what brought you here? So she moved to Erie from Tampa. Now, what, and here it is winter, okay? I mean, I retired in, in December. I yeah. probably started volunteering a couple months later, and winter kept dragging on. So, of course, somebody moving here from Tampa, you're like, <clears throat> why? She was raised in Swissvale uh, in Pittsburgh, um, but she hadn't lived there for, for years. And she said she and her husband loved Presque Isle. She was in her yeah. 70s. Wow. They moved to Erie, bought a house in the city of Erie. And I was like, okay, there's one little, one little nugget to, to uh, stow away. Then when I was campaigning, I met some people on my street who had moved to Erie because their adult children were working in Erie. And the husband actually was from Pittsburgh and could work remotely. Then I met my, one of my friends as a teacher um, and she has a friend who's a teacher who moved here, not only because she has adult children, but because she has grandchildren here. And then I met another woman at the Jefferson Society. And I was like, hey, this is a pretty cool mm-hmm. trend. Mm-hmm. So, yes, critical juncture. Um, but let's not just always focus on <clears throat> youth because there are people at midlife who are not only, um, you know, they, they probably have if they're moving, they have the means to be able to move and they have skills that they can contribute, sure. you know, not only volunteering, but bringing that outside perspective. You said to us, you know, have you looked at the best practices at other right. uh, third class cities? And I do. I mean, I look to see, you know, what what controversy is going on in Scranton. Um, I can't remember what Lancaster is, but we met people from uh, uh, Lan- I, I've looked at York uh, mm-hmm. recently to see what's going on there. Um, just to see what kind of issues are bubbling up there. But we can also learn from these people who have been elsewhere. I think that's a really good thing for Erie when we bring in, uh, not people who come in and say, hey, you guys are doing it all wrong, but who can come in and say, do you know what a great community you have? We're choosing to live here. You know, the mayor's talking about making Erie a community of choice, or I think he says community of choice, not city of choice. So here are people who are actually doing that. And I just, 
think it's exciting. And I, if there's anybody out there listening who knows somebody who has moved to Erie, let me know because I'm going to be working on something about that down the road. There, there's actually a couple that we need to book because I'm just thinking about them now. I appreciate that he was a former Army Ranger and ran basically one of the largest hospital systems in, in southeastern uh, Pennsylvania and uh, made their way back to Erie because of family, because they want to live with their grandchildren. Go ahead, Kathy. Right. Um, and there are people who have left and have come back because the cost of living has uh, increased where they were at. So it was right. just too much. But you guys understand that the, these anecdotes are not enough to create a trend to, to reverse population. Right. And I think, you know, Kathy will frequently give the example of her um, children not being able to find right. jobs right. here. And that we We're know how boat, critical Kathy. that is. Right. And, you know, it, when you, you know, I was able to move back to be close to my parents and had a, a job to pay good wages. My husband was able to get a job. But if your kids can't come back, they get that itch to come back when they're in their 30s. That's that's not good. So we, we do right. need to figure out how to how to best deal right. with that. In my own experience, about- my son-in-law was in the Marines and they had uh, first lived out in California and then they moved back very briefly. They moved to Florida and then they came back and lived here for three years. But then they moved last year because he uh, wasn't able to find a living wage job for a wow. family of five. What total. was his, what was his uh, skill set? It was actually in uh, air conditioning, uh, refrigeration. Mm. Um, but. Uh, okay. So, so you're, you're, out. you're, you're kind of picking at something here that is, is something that is kind of out of the purview of city council, but certainly as, as, as public figures, this is a huge deal. Insofar as it goes back to the CBS report, remember the CB, the, the really horrible CBS report about the decline of Erie, right? And, um, you know, the, the fellow that was take was being retrained for HVAC. So the same kind of thing that your your right. son-in-law would be doing. And he has his uh, certification. In sure. The, the fellow was going to move to Albuquerque because the what they would pay him in Albuquerque was going to be double what they're willing to pay in Erie for the same exact job. And, and I'm, I'm not sure, is that right. kind of what your son-in-law encountered? Right. Um, and that, well, my brother-in-law is also in that field and huge wage differenti- differentiation between what he would be offered compared to what my brother-in-law um, was making but as I well. that's an issue also with nurses. Um, I would really? say, yeah, because you would think that would be parody, right? You would think that, but I had heard, uh, I think Keith Taylor from Gannon talking yeah. about, you know, nurses being recruited to go work in Buffalo and that, um, the Erie scale can't be matched to what, what they might be earning there. I think, I guess what I'm thinking is that it's, um, you know, we can talk about a lot of solutions, but even knowing those factors would be important to know. So it's not just, I don't mean just, but I mean, the you know the HVAC person who can't but what where are the other places where we're not competitive? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in manufacturing, yeah. I you know we 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 hear this where where you know the young the young uh, coming up guy is just killing himself to get a fifty cent raise you know and 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 uh, you know 
the narrative used to be not so much anymore is that there's, you know, 10 guys lining up mm-hmm. behind them to, to fill in that role. But now with the, with the overall population decline, you know, you have a situation where there's not a lot of people behind you and there's a lot of jobs, a lot of people aging out, retiring and so on. So again, uh, a macro issue beyond city council, but it, it plays into the context of what you're dealing with when you're, when we're talking about things like that you guys have been vocal about, which is, you know um, you know, uplifting all parts of the community and so on. And, you know, in in some of this conversation about Lerda and so, you know, um, there are macroeconomic uh, impacts that overlay whether or not someone's going to make an investment in Erie to to build uh, you know a couple of apartment houses or you know or to even fix their you know the you know add on with a garage onto the back of their house. Well, you know, I know one of the things. Um, the the, the a, a story that I wish had maybe more widespread, yeah, uh, you know being spread around more is my late husband worked for the manufacturers association. So there's a scholarship in his name that is given at the, um, at, uh, Erie city, high, Erie high, um, in their vo- vocational technical program, Erie County Votech now, um, Crawford County, Mercer and Corey. And I'm been able to sit in on the interviews now for, for years. And I see young people at Erie high in particular, you know, when it was central high, um, we've, we've talked a lot about the need to go into the trades, but also the students there are getting a good grounding in, say, um, I, I've seen a lot of students who want to become engineers after they've gone through um, the engineering training programs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that people are always aware of that, that there are bright students who are being educated in the city schools Absolutely. and, you know, are lining up. They, they, maybe they want to go to Penn state bear. Maybe they want to do some other type of post-secondary education at a technical school. I always thought that was a, like a good news story that I always wish mm-hmm. we could celebrate more. So I don't know, you know, but the issues are so complex. I just was talking to a guy down the street from, I did not know him. He was packing up his car last night, <clears throat> moving to Fairview. So I said, so why are you moving to Fairview? Schools. So he has yeah. three little kids. Little guys, so yeah. it's like this circular problem because, um, you know, hopefully we've, we're at the point where, you know, there's confidence again in the Erie public schools, but you still have parents who say, for XX, I can go to Fairview and my kids will get, this type of education. Well, it goes right to the community of choice, right? I mean, it goes right to the, to the concept of, you know, uh, you know, we, I've had this conversation with people that say, you know, uh, I could pay 30,000 more for the cost of the house in Mill Creek, yet my taxes are going to be less. And so when I start running the, like the, maybe the, the 15 year numbers of the mortgage or the, 30 year numbers of the mortgage, it makes much more sense to move to Mill Creek. And until, and, and so this goes right back to our conversation about Lerda to, in order to move the needle, to build, um, you know, to build some kind of a floor to the value of these residential properties, people need to feel like they're, that they have confidence to invest in their properties. So I do have to ask you, okay, what did you see in the Lerda legislation as proposed from the mayor that uh, that you didn't like, that you didn't vote for? 
I did not like that it was for 10 years because in my neighborhood, I have seen a lot of change since I've been there since 1987 and established families have moved out and there are rentals in my neighborhood now that there never used to be. There are foreclosures in my neighborhood that again, never saw. And, um, like we had just mentioned the schools, people move in and out. There's a lot of change where when I first moved in that neighborhood, it was a stable neighborhood where now, um, it is not. And my fear with a 10 year Lerda, not that I'm against Lerda, but that the taxpayers are really going to be overburdened. So people like myself being a but, Catholic school teacher. But just, just a second, Kathy. How would they be overburdened for, 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 on revenues that don't exist right now anyway? Well, I'm going to tell you how they might be overburdened because, and again, I, I think that because the headlines sound like, you know, oh, you voted against Lerda, you're against Lerda. Basically, for me, I was just asking for a few more weeks to get a little bit of data. And I was doing this kind of at the, I don't want to say the urging, but the influence of a business person who had, who had actually questioned the mayor about, you know, where's the data on, on what works. My um, hunch right now is that, well, well, two things. One is that we had the, we had the two public hearings. and. We got some ideas from that. So I thought, well, why have a public hearing if you're just going to say, well, we're sticking with what we have. Don't don't pay attention well, to what the people. No, but had he to changed say. it a little bit. He yes, added but the, that, the you, fund. You, he did change it. But that was only after a standing very firm. There was going to be no movement on that unless we had had that study session. I can mm -hmm. tell you that because he kept um, telling us, no, I think this is what we have to do. hundred percent. Um, Erie Refocus. I told you I read Erie Refocused sure. in the in the in the book club. I forgot that on page forty two it said in there that uh, I could actually read it I, to you I here. I, you, know, you, you can read page forty two in Erie Refocused. Leverage Bayfront property as an income generating resource for the city. Bayfront property has outstanding potential to generate revenue revenue for the city, but not if valuable land is sacrificed for parking lots and garages, and not if tax incentives are so generous as to leave the city with little or no actual revenue. Rather than allowing past precedents to shape the terms of future projects on Bayfront property, the city must treat the land as the prized commodity that it is and demand commensurate revenues. Um, so after the public hearing, after the study session, um, after talking to as many people as possible, I actually um, it broke out and said, maybe the Bayfront. And I sent it, you know, we were doing all this at the last minute. I sent an yeah. email to council, but on the other hand, we were getting emails at the last minute too, from the mayor about the, about the, the fund and the application fee. I said, couldn't we keep the waterfront district separate, maybe have 80% abatement there. And then some sweeteners, if you did, um, you know, local hires and, and minority hiring to follow up on what Erie Refocus said. I kept saying, how do we know what the, because we are going to get land tax from the sure. property. Could you assure me that the property is properly assessed now? And I will point out that um, there was just a big fight with Bickford, which used to be Sunrise, which is yeah. the assisted living yeah. thing. So they bought the property for 
yeah, you know, fifteen million dollars, but it was assessed at twelve or thirteen million. So the this city, is an assisted living, assisted a, a living place right on the bayfront, on right the bay there front. on the bayfront yeah. parkway. So of course they fought it. Well, no, no, it should only be assessed at this, even though you paid fifteen million. All I wanted was a little bit more time to digest this and to get the facts and to look at at the trends. But you realize the mayor's been working on this for eighteen months He's for the entire t- time of your term. He may have. Good, good point that you mentioned that because the mayor had been working on it for 18 months. But in my research, I found out that as recently as November, after the school district said, hey, this is going to be a tough haul for us because we do not have the, the we can't give up that revenue. The mayor came back and said he was going to drop his proposal to 50 percent for commercial. He still wanted the Bayfront in it, mm-hmm. but he went from 100 percent to 50 percent. And when I talked to him about that a week and a half ago, he said, well, I didn't say that. I said, "Uh, yes, you did. I have the story here. He said, well, I was misquoted. I said, well, if you were misquoted, did you call the newspaper? And then I went back and I reread the story. And his quote was that he realized the school district could not um, afford to do the 100 percent. So he came back to 50 percent. And then it started going into these discussions about could somebody come up with contributions to make up the school district's uh, lack of revenue? And that didn't go anywhere. I'm telling you, there was behind the scenes stuff that Erie City Council was not part of. So the mayor may have been talking about it, but he did change his opinion a couple of times. And when he was on city council and Mayor Senate wanted to uh, change Lerda, the mayor was as a councilman was quoted as saying that he thought Lerda was too generous. So I said that to him. I said, uh, Mayor Schember, when you were a councilman, you said it was too generous. He said, "Well, I was new then, and i i didn't I didn't know that." But, so, here, but, but beyond what people have been saying, the proof is in the pudding. Insofar as we have we've had static to no residential investment. Go ahead. But we're in debt. So how are we every year when we do the budget? Where does that money come from? Those ten years when we're waiting, but. But you're getting all the money that you're that you're getting now. And then in, and then you're and you've also are, are reaping the benefits of the expired Lurdas from 10 years ago. But, already. but, but we don't. I mean, have- there was a, there was a 250 percent increase in activity under the old Lurda. And then this this last Lurda didn't do anything. For OK, us. but we're what township are you in? Joel? I, I'm in what, the city. I, I'm no, in no, the, no, not you, but uh, where, where's your radio station? This is in Waterford Township. Okay, you aren't in Summit Township. No. One of the things I suggested that we... Interesting, anybody can put statistics out there, okay? Um, <laughs> and we're going to have to go to break real quick. Here. Okay. Go ahead. But what I wanted to, to know was, yes, we looked at the Philippi administration, you know, great boom in, in uh, construction, blah, blah, blah. Um, I So I went back and I looked. So when did the casino open? 2000. Yeah, yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah two, yes. Like so, and then I went and I looked yeah. and I said, okay, so Summit Population's, Summit Township's population grew. So can we really use, and I'm just thinking of this, I'm not an academic researcher, but if I were, these are questions I would ask. Can we really use that as a baseline? Because what would have changed when when Summit came along and all of a sudden, hey, you don't have to pay hardly any property taxes if you mm-hmm, move, right. move to Summit. So It's still I'm, the case. I mean, you know, a a $200,000 house might pay a thousand bucks in local tax. So now Philippi also said that there were going to be a thousand 
housing starts. And I could, you know, that should be easy to document. You said 250%. Right. Well, how many housing starts were there? He also said there was going to be an increase in the earned income tax. Did that happen? That's all the questions I wanted to answer. And you were unable to get the data points. Right. And, and uh, when we, yeah, when go, we go, pick go, it back finish, up. Finish your, finish my, your thought. My, my finished thought is that in the, you know, we're in another early intervention report. Yeah. Second early intervention report, the one in 2005 recommended that the city do that kind of due diligence and retracking of, you know, what the numbers were from Lerda. They're going to hang with me for another half an hour and go over the five o'clock hour. Uh, the, 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 there, yes, the Lerda is one element of, of a, in a toolbox. But we've got we've got so many macro issues, and I think both of you ladies, Kathy Schaff and Liz Allen, uh, you're you're accurate in in saying that um, you know there's there's a lot of issues at play. You've got um, you know half of Erie, not half, but a significant percentage of Erie is becoming a renter state. And here's what's sad about this, Kathy. I, 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 you know, I, I come out of the church world. And so we did a lot with low income families and things. It's abominable what those poor people pay for rent for the kind of stock that they're living in, mm-hmm. where, where if they had an ability to get a mortgage, they would live. So in, in, I mean, my mortgage in the city, in the fifth, the sixth ward is nothing compared to what these people pay in rent, you know, versus my mortgage. But I was able to apply and I, you know, I have income, you know, I make my mortgage payment. And so I was able to apply and get a mortgage and the people that choose not to, or can't afford to, they end up paying a lot more money for their housing expense than I do. Go figure. I don't understand it. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's about, you know, qualifying, right? And our homeless issue is huge in Erie. All cities have it. But, you know, now that I'm downtown so much going into City Hall, I'm there. You're aware of it. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. I've been able to uh, convince our members of city council, uh, Liz Allen and Kathy Schaff, to hang with me one more uh, 25-minute segment. I appreciate it very much, ladies. Um, And we're going to get right to it here. We've been talking about Lerda, trying to understand your votes. And, uh, and again, you know, it's a complicated issue, certainly. And and I I think, uh, Liz, you were saying that you were just hoping for some more data. Was it that the 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 fifteen sixteen months wasn't enough time to get that data, or were things being revealed to you at the very end? I think it was more having those two public hearings, having people from the public ask questions, and then wanting to follow up on it. Yeah, I'm used to working on deadlines. I said, "Hey, <laughs> right. you know, um, the the school board is going to have to have a special meeting on Lerda. County council is going to have to have a special meeting on Lerda. So I had even proposed, Hey, let's give us one more, one more uh, council meeting to work with, um, you know, what the mayor came back with on the application fee and the fund. And I think we can get to something that, that I would be happy to, to, to vote for. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the, 
data, it's it's not even going backward. Now what I want is going forward. Are we going to track this to make yeah. sure that it's panning out the way it's supposed to be panning well, out? They almost yeah. have to track it because the school district has an out in two years. That if, if we don't hit, what is it, uh, 20 million in mm-hmm. new... Uh, taxable uh business or taxable it's a 20 million dollar construction yeah yeah if the if the assessment value mm-hmm. doesn't go up globally uh, by 20 million they they have an opt out so Kathy you you also uh were talking about this uh you know you know kind of write-ins for minority hiring and things like that can you explain your position on that or did you was that part of your thinking too you know, I, I guess I guess I was hearing a lot about, you know, we need to add, um, you know, carvings for minority hiring and, you know, depending. Go. I'm all for that, but not to write it into the LERDA. Right. We never. I, and we. OK, so that's a that, misunderstanding from the reporting that I saw then. I think it's a well. What happened is um, Erie County United actually had met with us a number of times. We went to, you know, meetings that Erie County United had. I always thought that the that the complex uh, requirements that that they wanted to be incorporated into Lerta were were way too clunky, too onerous, and, huh? Yes, too onerous. Um, one of the reasons I was interested in because uh, let me just take from and I'm a pretty informed guy. I took that uh, that was that that was what you guys were thinking. That you wanted to write that stuff in. No, what I ended up saying, and here's what I what I said in in the proposal that I had emailed to council members on like Wednesday afternoon. Keep in mind, we had just gotten the the other things that the mayor was going to do like two days before, and I had been meeting with a bunch of people. What I had proposed was again looking at the waterfront district, um, maybe giving you know instead of a hundred percent knocking that back, but then maybe having a sweetener for local hiring okay. and minority hiring. So you would get, you could get you up to the hundred percent abatement. And that, yeah. what I thought would, because we're going to hear about this again and again, we could do it as a pilot project to see mm-hmm. if it works. We might find out that the, you know, the, the jobs pipeline isn't there. That was one of the things that when we would talk to the people from Erie County United, I would say, there's a real issue with with skilled labor out there. Uh, we went, Kathy Schaff and I met with um, the, you know who I mean, uh, TJ uh, Sandler mm-hmm. from um, mm-hmm. the Plumbers Union. So right. there's a training facility here for that. These other training programs are now in Cranberry. So how do you get the transportation to get people to yeah. be trained there? Um, so we never thought that that was an easy fix. And there were also numbers in there about well, you have to hire people at X percentage of minimum wage. No, that I mean, that's not the way I was going. But I, I felt that the, the proposal, again, I'm going to say this, the proposal to create some kind of community fund that would, or fund that would benefit the community was proposed by um, Reverend Dale Snyder from mm-hmm. uh, St. James AME. And so I just wanted to have it fleshed out. I had just come back from this conference in Pittsburgh for forward cities. It was about um, inclusiveness and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I made all these great contacts, including with a, a group called mortar. Uh, you know, everybody's looking to Cincinnati as the model for Erie with whatever three C Cincinnati yeah. mm-hmm. is. So Cincinnati has 
an entrepreneurial organization called Mortar for, um, <clears throat> I think, uh, people of color. Okay. Entrepreneurs. So <clears throat> it was so exciting to be there and to see <clears throat> how inclusiveness and entrepreneurship can help to change sure. the city. Sure. And that's where I thought we had the potential with this fund to be able to move forward. And it sounds like we could do something with that. Kathy, weigh in on this. Um, well, um, I know um, several business people and the business people that I have talked to, and I believe them, uh, said that you've got to keep it simple because when you're bouncing through so many hoops, it just delays things and takes too much time and becomes very more, complicated. It's more re- regulation. The so, But pretty much the... the what what was interesting to me is pretty much, and again, this is my perception here. Correct me if I'm the reality is different, but that the the people that spoke up against Lerda were all from this the Erie County United. Did you have any any contractors or landowners that were speaking out against Lerda? People that would that would actually maybe be, you know, subject to Lerda. There were, I will tell you that some business people who did not come to the public hearing, who had spoken to me, two business people in particular, <coughs> who had expanded their businesses. Now, that's one of the things that's been lost. There's been good expansion with Lerda of businesses in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry about this cough. Good thing I'm not in the Oval Office. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could ship you right out. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> that's funny. I thought it was interesting <laughs> that these two <coughs> business owners actually said they would have been in favor of a clawback provision so that if you didn't, um, you know, if you left it, like if you were the Bush Industries, you would have yeah. to have some kind of recompense when, okay. when you were done. Right. And I was like, wow, they're talking about clawbacks. And it occurred yeah. to me that they don't want to be stuck with companies that come in and then leave and because they're in the city and they're paying their taxes. But, but OK, but again, <clears throat> again, I want to make sure I'm understanding the, the, the legislation here. Um you know, if 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 a company is you know does a does a, a construction you know does an expansion, and um and they get the 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 ten year Lerda, um they're gonna sell that building if they want to leave, and the person that inherits that building will have to pay the taxes ten years later unless they get a unless they get a reassessment. Obviously, and that is actually that is what Brian Polito said. We were at. I can't remember if Kathy was at both meetings, but we were invited to two joint meetings with county, school board, city, economic development people. I didn't make that up. It was Brian Polito, the school superintendent, who said, Lord, is not paying off for us because they get to whatever X number of years it is. Because, you know, there were different years. Yeah. There's five, seven, whatever. Right. And then they go in and get reassessed. So we are, we actually are losing money. He said that I did not make this up. Okay. So, so, so the mat, there's where the macroeconomic issue kicks in. If you could provide a floor to the, to the real estate market in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we, and we could bring in, you know, uh, Laban Marsh uh, who, and the other guys that know all about this stuff, you know, we provide a floor so that there could actually be an increase in property values in Erie. Then Brian Polito doesn't have to worry about that stuff because the market takes care of the, whether a, uh, 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 you know, a piece of land can be reassessed to a lower amount of money. That makes sense to you? 
No. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, the whole I, I idea, don't... the whole idea in other towns that are not in the Rust Belt. If we were in Nashville, okay, um, and again, it's easier to to figure it in the residential realm, but in the commercial realm too. If if you know if a if a building and land is worth a million dollars, and you have a ten percent you know, real estate value increase over 10 years, you know, that becomes, you know, uh, 10, 10%, you know, you have, you know, for lack of a better word, becomes 200, it becomes $2 million worth $2 million in an escalating real estate market. That's really the macroeconomic issue that we're trying to achieve here is to stop the decay and start growth. And Okay, Joel, I I got to stop you there though, because you know, you're, you're talking macroeconomics at the same time. Um, we've also been told that we don't have to worry about displacement. We don't have to worry about gentrification. Areas in such don't, bad shape. We however, don't. however, EDDC, what did they do? The first project they did, they're kicking out small businesses. Okay. So we don't have to worry about gentrification. Then there's a story on TV news a couple of weeks ago about the villa apartments where both my mom and my daughter-in-law both happened to live in that building and those people being displaced. We're going to have to look at those things. So, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, because I don't have to worry about being displaced. Mm -hmm. But I have I when I was campaigning, I was at Nate Levy Park and a woman came up to me and she said that UPMC Hammett kept trying to buy her house down there on the, you know, the East Bay front. And she said, what they offered me, she said, I can't get another house for that amount. Mm. So she stayed, but it wasn't there just a final house was just sold on German Street by a woman who was originally offered like 69000 Then they came up to 103000 So that person does have a house that, that, which has equity in it. And she's getting a bonus to be able to move. Gotcha. But at some point, we do have to, and you, you yourself said, Poor people are paying more in rent than they could in mortgages. So what's going to happen when the rents start to get even higher? We better be aware of that. And you guys are Christians, so you should be well, in terms abs- of that per- abso- in particular. Abso- so what, are you, what, are, what is your ministry doing to um, help those people who might be displaced? Do you have a plan in place? Well, I, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that we've been called to to, to solve every every problem, but certainly. Um, the, the, the concept is, I mean, what, what whack-a-mole are we dealing with here? You know what I mean? Are we going to deal with population loss? Whack that mole. Are we going to deal with total, you know, you know, one blighted house, which tears down all of the property values of a, of a well-kept neighborhood or four blighted houses, which totally destroys the neighborhood. We're going to whack that mole. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of issues that we're trying to do to rebuild a community, right? And, uh, and, and so you have people, for the first time, you have people that are willing to, to use their own money to make investment. Which I like think is really interesting, actually, because you Republicans, it's all about, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's all about let's let the market decide. Not a, Except no. that we want tax abatements. Yeah. So we're going to have all this private money coming in. And again, I'm not against Lerda, but I just think it's really interesting. Walk the walk. If you're going to say we're going to have all this private investment coming in and then they say, but you know what? We're really having a hard time getting financing. And I want to say, you know what? You go back and you read the history of redlining and you find out 
why people of color and people on Erie's east side don't have the equity that comes with owning a home. And then you can then you can talk to me about letting the market work. I, I so to- now I'm talking I, like a Democrat. I totally agree I'm with in my you there. <laughs> I totally agree with you there. We're talking to city council members, Kathy Schaff, Liz Allen, and um, we have really one more subject that we have to sneak in here in the next seven minutes. Um, the city is under an early intervention program, which is basically it's to kind of hold back going into um, what you what you what do they call it? I said I can't remember what act it is when Act forty seven. Act forty seven yeah. when you go into where the state's kind of running your city, which would be super painful. Uh, uh, you know, if if, if you got to hand it to Mayor Joe Sinnott for keeping us out of Act forty seven uh, when he came on twelve thirteen years ago now. Um, you know, and we're trying to you know stave that off. We we y'all had to fight through and again on your first year on council. And, and the mayor's first year in on the fifth floor, you had to fight through an eleven million dollar deficit this year. Explain how painful that was uh, for this year. It was very painful, very very painful. Um, you probably recall that Liz was the only no vote, and um, we said yes to higher taxes, et cetera, which um, I really didn't want to do. Yeah, but- and uh, again. I voted no because my issue was that there had not been performance reviews for the managers. And I just come out of an environment where we I'll had to have performance reviews every well, year. And, and, the, we and the mayor raised. comes out of the environment of having yes. performance reviews at yeah. PNC, right? Yeah. So that should have happened for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that I um, liked about PFM is that they also have been doing the school district um, yes. finances. So I went to the special school board meeting, I think it was like at the end of December. and what they can do with with the pro I'm talking about actually the software that they use, which is an Excel spreadsheet, but mm-hmm. they can show you different scenarios. Like if you do this, you know, with the, right. with the click of a few buttons, if you do this, this is how much taxes would have to go up or this is, you know. Right. If you give a, if you give a raise to the police for two percent, this is what you're going to need in additional right, revenue right. or so. And so I really liked um, I don't think you have to be a financial, you know, you don't have to be a CPA to understand how the how they present information and the options that they're going to be mm. able to give us. So, all right. So they talked about the three headed dragon last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want- and yeah. And let me just took, uh, I'll just read it out here. We've got the pension problem, the debt problem and the structural deficit problem. Now let's just keep some perspective here. My understanding is that the city's uh, debt rating is actually not bad. Right. I think we were second behind uh, Bethlehem. Um, it's listed. It, they took like five municipalities okay. and looked at us. So, but that—that's for now. What will happen down the road? So right. I think that's where they said. But, and, what, and it always is painful, Kathy, to have to like pay for paving out of a bond issue yeah. or something versus having you know having that routine maintenance right. built into the system. Uh, it's just about that. There's just not enough dollars right. to function the government. Right. And they and, and what what's sad is we also hear the county people say, well, they made their bed. Now they have to lay in it. Well, there's there's specific. Um, and again, another macro issue, but there's specific things, burdens, I'll use the word that the city takes on for the rest of the entire community. What call it the metropolitan area, call it the county or even the region, you know. I mean, the, you know, all of the government buildings, all of the 
hospitals, our universities. And again, let's let's not let's be clear. Those universities and hospitals bring significant jobs, good paying jobs Mm -hmm. that that are super important to kind of stem this tide. But talk talk about, you know, what it's going to take. Um, you know, what, what are you looking forward to next with, from, from the, the early intervention program, would you say? Well, um, I would like to see people who live outside of the city pay more and give their share because they are driving into Erie and driving out every mm-hmm. day. And you go downtown and you see exactly when they're coming in, when they're going out. We have so much to offer. They come in for the playhouse, ball games. They use all the facilities to work, educate, and play, but they live outside the city. And the major taxes are from real estate taxes, right? I mean, yeah. And we don't, you know, the commuter tax that we have, we don't call it a commuter tax, but the you know whatever it used to be the occupational privilege yeah. tax you know the there the part that people what is it the emergency services city. tax I yeah, think they, they call it now you know, yeah. that goes actually to pensions so we're Interesting. this would require some kind of change in the state law to be able to um, enact a you know higher tax on people who are coming into the city but I think we have you know it's not just higher tax you know because don't cast us as you know hey let, let's just keep Raising, raising higher taxes. taxes. Yeah. I do think that we have to look more at, you know, pilot agreements. We have um, we have a list in our workbooks for, that we get for the budget that shows the amount of, you know, tax exempt property in mm-hmm. the city. Um, and we don't have pilots with, you know, a good number of the, of those organizations. And you talked about the real estate tax. I've read something really sim- simple. It was Kiplinger's magazine when I was running and. We aren't the only city wrestling, right? Obviously, in fact, Buki but, thinks that our our uh, our tax exempt properties is pretty typical for a city of our size, right? But the fact is that um, it is property taxes that are playing paying for police and fire, yeah. you know, for public safety. Mm-hmm. So, just ask, you know, contribute to this. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, or or and I and I think a mixture of of, <laughs> of having some, you know, having some, you know, user fees. You know, uh, uh, and and what you know, and the the concept of people that that benefit from the assets, kind of an asset fee, kind of a common, uh, you know, and it's and it's not unheard of. That's what Pittsburgh, Allegheny County has. We're down to our last thirty seconds, ladies. Uh, thank you so much for being with us and and hanging with me uh, for for this moment here. I hope that you'll come back and we can kind of share together, uh, you know, how this process is going. And, um, you know, maybe bring one of your colleagues with, we can get three people in here. Right. You know, um, and. Uh, I just got a book out the library yeah. um, called, and I don't remember the name of the book, but it's by these two women who have something called Pantsuit Politics, a bipartisan political podcast posted by two women, Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers. Um, so I just got it out Saturday. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I okay. just think that that's interesting that those things are, are going on elsewhere and you can. You well, know, get, get some good conversation. 